This world can be a pretty dark place. We can get caught up in the lies and the, the things that Satan wants us to get into our heads and believe. Did you hear what he said? The guy that was portraying God here, he said, I don't make junk. That statement is a big deal at Connection. Because at Connection, we are not concerned about where you've been. We're not concerned about what you've done. At Connection, you are not defined by your past. But at Connection, we are very interested in where you're going. My name is Matt Griswold. I'm the worship leader here at Connection. Uh, thank you to Hillary, who, uh, who led worship this morning, and uh, our pastor, Mike Davis, on a, on a normal Sunday, would be up here preaching. But God doesn't make junk. But there was a process in what he was talking about. He was using a chisel and a hammer. Now, if you've ever seen anybody with uh, a, a giant piece of rock, or uh, one of my favorites is... Uh, the guys that can take, this is just amazing to me, they can take a chunk of wood with a chainsaw. And they can make all this stuff. And I asked a guy one time, I said, how does your mind, he made a, he made a beautiful eagle. He's just, just impressive. And I said, I said, how did you make that? We hadn't been talking about church. We hadn't been talking about religion or anything like that. I said, how did you make that? He takes a step back and looks at the eagle and he goes, well, I didn't make that. God did. I just took away the pieces that didn't need to be there. And so, our life is the same way. God desires to take away the things that he doesn't want to be there. So we can go from the log to relate back to Mike's sermon last week with the wings of the eagle and Isaiah so we can soar. That's the potential that God has. <coughs> Excuse me. If you're in here for the song videos, and I appreciate uh, the people that are in charge of that, but we, we listen to, to songs that some of you don't have in your uh, iPod. Some of you come in here and be like, whoo. If, you, if, you, if, if you're interested in some of those songs, you can talk to Josh. He can get you the, the playlist of those. But why do we do that? Because the target age that Connection's after is all about visual and it's all about music. It is. Now, some of you came in here this morning and you're like, whoa, that music's a little heavy. Okay, There's a lot heavier out there. Almost scary. No, I'm just kidding. It's not. <coughs> but the... The big deal is this. There was a song called Breaking the Habit by Limp Biscuit. I believe it's by Limp Biscuit. Is that right? Who is it? Lincoln Park. See, he's the man. I'm telling you. And it said this. It says, I don't know how I got this way. I don't know how I got this way. Now, refer back to the stuff that we all have in our life that we talk about in the, in, in, we saw in the video. 
I don't know how I got this way. You see, issues in our life don't happen overnight. They happen through a week, a year, a month, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. Something that we're comfortable with, and we just let it slide a little bit, and it slides a little bit more, and then all of a sudden, we can't see any light because we're strangled by our stuff. It says this, it says, I don't know how I got this way. I'll never be all right. In their, in their words, it says, I'll never be all right. In the video, the guy said, I'm junk. It's not worth it, God. It's not worth it. I'm not worth it. Remember what he said? The guy goes, when he's talking to God, he said, God, I've let you down so many times. That's a common thought to us, isn't it? God, I've let you down so many times. Here's the, here's the best line in that video for me. God looks at that man after he says, God, I've let you down so many times. And the gentleman looks at God, or God looks at the gentleman and said, you've never let me down because I'm holding you up. God desires to have something in your life that's special. You are a masterpiece. And we're all different. If you come over to my house right now and you go in our backyard, I have a pear tree and I have a grape arbor. Last year, I declared World War 18 on all squirrels, a.k.a. tree rats. This is not funny. I got zero pears last year. But you know what I noticed? I noticed that it wasn't the pears getting stolen by the squirrels. The squirrels were in the tree, and they were looking around, but they weren't stealing any pears because the pears weren't there. They just knew from past year's experience and ravaging of our neighborhood fruit things, oh, look, Griswold's tree's ready, let's go get them all. I'm sure they don't like the pears anyway. Those pears are good. But I noticed that there weren't any pears on the tree. So I talked to a friend of mine, and I said, hey, I said, we had an overabundance of pears last year, and we have zero. I said, did the weather affect it? Did the nine months of no rain affect it? Uh, the drought we had last summer? I said, what's going on? He goes, you need to prune it. I said, what? He goes, you need to cut it back. You need to cut off what doesn't need to be there. I said, well, okay. You have to understand, I'm scared to do this. If I cut off half the tree, then there's not going to be any pears forever. And I like the pears. So I did. But I did it with a witness. I brought my wife into the backyard. So she could not use it as ammo. <coughs> and by ammo, I mean this. Say this summer rolls around, we don't have any pears. Mm-hmm. I saw what you did last year with the chainsaw in the backyard. My wife would not do that. But we went to the backyard, and I cut off a couple limbs that were dead. They had no use. And if you come to my house right now, I'm declaring World War 17 with aluminum pans on squirrels because there is an overabundance. See, 
that tree had potential. But without taking the things away, there was no fruit. A lady with the last name of Schwartz owned our house in the early 50s, and, and she, uh, she actually built it when Summersville was kind of built around, the, or when that subdivision popped up. And she planted a grape arbor. Now last year, the year before that, and the year before that, when I'd mow the yard, I'd mow the front, then I'd mow the back, but every time Mary would watch me, if it got later in the summer, I would mow the back like four or five times more than it actually needed. I was going over grass that had already been cut. And she asked me one day, she goes, why do you spend so much time in the back of the yard? You're going over grass that's, never, that's already been cut. <coughs> Excuse me. I said, the grapes are ripe. And I'd walk along. I mean, hey, there's nothing better. Great big, great big purple grape. You got to watch the seeds. Great big purple grape when you're mowing. Man, it's good. <laughs> and then she would say, you better quit it because we're not going to have enough to make jelly. See, these are, these are things that are, that are good when they reach their potential. But last year, I saw very little potential. Well, I had grapes. If you have a grape arbor, I had, I had grapes about this big, and they were very sporadic. So I talked to a, a friend of mine who has a grape arbor for a long time. And he, his grape arbor, he can get like the bunches. Like this guy knows what he's doing. been doing it a long time. <coughs> and he said, Matt, what you need to do is this. You need to go to the, find the main, everybody knows what a grapevine is. The main vine. That's the life support system to a grapevine. To the arbor. To all the green leaves, that's the life system. Because if you look, they're all attached to it. Now he said, I want you to find that big, brown, twisty looking thing. The vine. And I want you to go up two joints. In February, you can check it out with a farmer's almanac. In February, go two joints and cut everything. Everything two joints. I said, no way. It will look like I went Edward Scissorhands on my grape arbor. And he goes, trust me, you have to cut it back. So I took Mary again to the backyard. And I cut in February. Probably in snow, I would assume, being this winter we had, but I cut it. And if you come over to our house, they're green, but there are grapes everywhere. Because I took out, see, the vine was supplying nourishment to things that didn't need to be there, and it was being wasted. It's kind of like you and I. We're going to give excess time or something to do this. But in all reality, it probably shouldn't be number one or two in our priorities. We're kind of wasting that. If you have your worship hand out, and they're always out there on the front table, I'd like you to turn to this page right here. Inside, just inside the front, it's in the middle. There's going to be some blanks that you're going to fill in. I apologize, I'm sorry. <clears throat> but look at that first blank, it says this. This was mentioned in the video. It said, you can go ahead and fill that in. It says, God loves us, or God loves you, far too much to leave us where we are. See, if I didn't care about pears, or I didn't care about grapes, I wouldn't have cut anything back. Because eventually, if I just wouldn't, if I wouldn't trim or wouldn't prune, it would just... In, in, a, in a sense, it would be a tree and it would be a bush. That's it. And maybe an occasional 
grape would pop up or maybe an occasional pear, but it would not get to its potential. Does that ring a bell? If we want different results, we've got to do something different. If we look at the definition of insanity, like they talk about, God in the video said, you expect different results, and yet you're doing the same thing over and over again. We don't get rid of our stuff by doing the same thing over and over. I don't get more grapes out of my vine by going, the grapevine is good, the grapevine is good, the grapevine is good, and convincing somehow telepathically or Jedi mind trick that the grape arbor is going to become plentiful. Okay, I have to do some work. God desires to do work in us. Desires. He doesn't make junk. Some of us are tired of issues and stuff that has been in our life for years. You see, our habits, our hang-ups, our hurts, they don't just pop up. It's not like you open up a Cracker Jack box and say, oh, look what I got, and it's in you. Okay? It's not instant. It's over a long course of time. So, there is no miracle cure. There is no, there is no well... I'm suddenly completely over this. Okay, we, had, we, we had to take time to get into our issues. We had to take time to get out of our issues. <coughs> I'd like to lead us in prayer if you would, if you just bow your heads with me. God, we thank you so much for songs that talk about you, for words of teaching, for words of edification of yourself. God, I just ask you that this, these words just impact our life. God, they impact my life and the others in this room. May these words reveal things about our life that you'd like to deal with. If you, amen. I'm sorry. Amen. If you have your Bible... I want you to turn to the book of John. John's in the New Testament. It's the fourth book. If you don't know where the New Testament is, uh, in the front cover of your Bible, I have a paperclip on mine. It's a table of contents. Look where John is. Find the page number. Flip to it. I'm going to have the words on the screen. If you have your Bible, you're more... <coughs> excuse me. You tend to, tend to mark down. That way when we read it again, something may come out in our mind. Hey, this is what Matt talked about that day. But we're going to be in John 15.1. And Jesus is talking here. He says this, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. In other words, Jesus is the caretaker of the garden. He's the gardener. He's the man. He's the only one that holds the chisel. That's it. He's the only one that has the rake. He's the only one that has the de-weeder. Now, we, th- we think that there are cure-alls in this world. We think that we can put our, lo- our hope and trust in our friends, and our weeds will be gone. God is the only roundup in our spiritual garden. That's it. God wants to weed out the things in our life. Some of us have been dealing with issues our entire lives. These issues have caused great pain. And by issues, he's, uh, we're talking about the weeds. <coughs> God has a plan for your life, and to see it to its potential, we need to work on the things that hinder us. Verse 2. 
Oh. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. Who's talking? The, the only sinless person to ever walk the face of planet Earth is talking. Jesus. This is how we can decipher, was Jesus really human? Listen. He says, he says, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. <coughs> I'm sorry. Jesus was our greatest example of how to be the correct model of how to follow God. Now, Jesus was sinless, so God didn't have to cut away anything. What he did was, he shaped him. He said, I want you to, I want you to do this. I want you to do this. I want you to do this. Well, Matt, you're just saying that. Okay. Um, Jesus was baptized because he was going to be an example for the other followers. And God said, this is my son whom I am well pleased. See, God, God showed him what to do. This is also a reminder of what God wants to do with us today. <coughs> God wants to produce fruit in your life. Now, some of you are thinking, man, if I could just about 3 o'clock every day pop out a banana on my hand, that would be a great snack. It would be healthy. Okay. Maybe an orange here. Uh, maybe uh, instead of a Pop-Tart, we can get uh, you know, some avocados. Okay. God's not talking about that. He's talking about spiritual stuff. He desires you to have this. How about this? This is what fruit is, better relationships. With your husband, with your wife, with your friends, with your ex-mates, with your ex-boyfriends, with your ex-girlfriends. Better relationships with your boss. And some of you are out there going, I'm self-employed. That still applies. With your coworkers, how about this? Fruit can be freedom from addiction, freedom from issues like codependency, anger, rage, pornography, gossip. To show fruit, to show healing. These are the limbs that God wants to go off of your vine. Verse three: You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. See, Jesus had already told these people who he was. They knew. If these people had already, <coughs> I'm sorry. <clears throat> if these people understood this, says you've already been pruned and purified, then Jesus is talking to people that understand. He's talking to followers of his. He's talking to believers. He's giving them advice on how to live. Oh, we, see that, we see that advice as he continues in verse 4. He says this, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. This is not easy. Remember, now we're going to back up to the video when the guy said, now, listen God, whenever I become more like you, even the people at church act differently around me. They aren't comfortable around me. Um, they call me holier than thou, or, or whatever the, the term that he used. 
For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. Hmm. How do we separate ourselves? Severed. I'd much rather deal with the word separated. Severed just means like a very finite thing, doesn't it? We're not going to get gory, but if you look at a Halloween movie, severed means gone, okay, not attached. That's kind of it. That's kind of very final. But if it's severed from the vine, it cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. To produce fruit, living this life for God is not about a church experience on Sunday only. Being separated means attending church on Sunday. Okay, check. No connect group, no fellowship, nothing else. Now, God says here, right here, he says, you cannot produce fruit if you are severed from the vine. What does God ask us to do? He asks us to come together and worship. A worship experience. In our connect group, in the one that I go to, we have learned to live life together. I have laughed with those people. I have cried with those people. I have prayed with and for those people. And I probably consider some of them my, our, my wife and I's best friends. They're, I could call them anytime. That's what it means to be connected, not separated. Verse 5, he says, Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. A little bit further in the, New, in the New Testament, Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, a very contradictory statement. Or very similar, I'm sorry. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Philippians 4, 13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Through Christ. There is no other gardener. There is no other roundup for your spiritual stuff. There is no other help. He is it. He's it. Oh, we think that there's more. Oh, I just want to make these people happy and my weeds will be gone. Not so. He goes on in verse 6. <coughs> Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. Now, some of you hate mowing grass. Don't you? Uh, you wish you could mow it like this, this, just, you just dust it, like to the ground. My buddy, hey, listen, I have, a, I have a best friend. He says if I could get away with it and my wife would be okay with it, he goes, I would asphalt my entire yard. He goes, I would paint it in different green stripes so it looked real cool, and I would never mow again. But she likes it, so he mows. That's another sermon. But some of us... I like to mow. I know. Please, no throwing anything. My wife says it's because I've played on too many nice baseball fields that I'm just completely crazy about having cool grass. Maybe. But you know what I really don't like? I don't like to pick up sticks before I mow. That's why I got like, I, I only use a mulcher. There's, there's no blowing clippings because if you blow clippings, they get balled up and it just looks bad. Okay, now you're thinking, he is that guy. He is that guy that mows like three times a week. I don't. 
but I mulch. So I feed my yard back. And I found myself, okay, that's a big stick. I've caught myself looking and go, hmm, my mower can get that one. I have, I have maple trees in my yard. Maple trees are like the absolute Superman of dropping limbs in the tree world. We have people that have maple trees in their yard. Oh, yeah, the helicopters are fantastic. Mm-mm. You know how a stick falls in your yard? Unless you have had a limb fall out of your tree due to a big windstorm, a stick has fallen off of a healthy tree because that stick is dead. It has no more nourishment and it's broken off in a heavy wind. When something comes and tosses it, it is fractured from the tree and it lands in your yard. Ask yourself, when's the last time that you picked up a healthy limb with green leaves other than a storm? Some of us may have never done that. Because if you're attached and you're healthy, a maple tree especially, it, it, will, it will go with some severe wind. We have had some wind this, this spring and summer. I think my maple trees have touched the road in front of our house. They're springy. They don't break. <coughs> if a stick falls from a healthy tree, it's been severed. Why does it do it? Why does the tree do that? Okay, I'm not going to tell you there's a little person inside the tree going, oh, that limb's dead. That's the way nature works. Now watch this. A limb falls off of one of my maple trees that's dead. If we get the right rain and the right temperature and the right sun, literally within two or three weeks, I can go out and I can see a sprout right where that one was. Now correct me if I'm wrong. But it, will, it knows. Something's been fractured. We have to stay attached. Why do we have to stay attached? So you can be springy. I don't know about you, but when I look outside and I picture those trees during that storm, when I'm thinking about taking my girls and going to the bathroom and putting a mattress over our heads and watching those trees just get blown this way and that way by the wind, and if I think about God just puts into my mind, Matt, do you remember? Do you remember? Do you remember when that thing came up in your life? And you thought it was going to lick you. And you thought it was just going to get you down. And you thought it was going to crack the trunk of everything that you are. And you sprang back. Do you know why? Because you were connected. Because you were connected. If you sever it, you can have no flexibility and no fruit. I led worship for the first time at Connection in the primary center. 
in a little bitty cutout. Everybody, if you've been with us long enough, you know where that cutout was. And I stood up on the stairs, and I played. And connection continued to meet, and continued to meet, and <coughs> excuse me. I got to announce the connection that my wife and I were pregnant. And for those of you that know me, it wasn't Emma. See, a storm in my life happened, and we lost the baby. If you want to talk about a storm that will toss you, that will test your faith, will test your roots, will test your limbs, will test the dirt around your tree. And you know what I felt? When I shared that we were pregnant, then, I, then it, it, we knew what was going to happen, and we, Mary had a miscarriage, and we had an eptopic pregnancy. The healing started. Because Mary and I stayed connected, we stayed tethered, there were people, some of you, that came up to us and said this, I went through the same thing. If you ever need to talk, I'm here. And ladies would come up to Mary. And guys would come up to me and they would say this. There is nothing physically you can do for your wife. I said, I know, I'm helpless. He said, let me meet with you. Let me talk with you. I've been through this with my wife. Let me show you how we got through it. Healing started. Because when that storm happened, we didn't say, God, we are done. Remember what God said in the video. He said, he said, because you believe the lie that when you became a Christian, everything is a cakewalk. Don't believe it. Because sometimes a struggle, like Hillary said, sometimes a struggle is all we need. Let me tell you something. I, I, haven't, grown, I haven't grown in relationships like that my entire life before that happened. Not at all. People come beside me, walk beside me. Hey, you know the hope that we have? Yeah, because God enters a conception and he breathes life. And that little baby, I will meet. However they grow, (laughs) however they look, They're protected. They're kept. Verse 7, he goes on. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be, given, or it will be granted. Some of you guys out there are going, man, I'd like to have about five low-profile Abu Garcia, Black Maxes, some brand new St. Croix rods. Oh, G. Loomis. Okay. This guy over here, he knows what I'm talking about. Because Matt Griswold doesn't really like to drop 300 bucks on a rod. And that's how much those are. If I, God, I, I, really need, I really need this. God is not a genie. This is what he's saying. Through my wife and I's story, this is what he says. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Do you know when I prayed? I said, God, this took a while. 
This took a while. This was not the next day because I was mad at God. How could God cheat me? This is not fair. I waited till I got married to be intimate with a woman. How could this ever happen to me? This is not fair. Oh, I was mad. And I said, God, when I got to the point of my lowest, I said, God, I want you to teach me. I want you to teach me how I can help others through the same situation. And there was no poof, and there was no genie bottle. But those answers came in forms of people and relationships and a binding. There are people in this church that are closer than some of the relatives of my family. Verse 8. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Jesus is saying this. If you stay connected with me, there's going to be evidence in your life that I'm in it. Is there evidence through that story that God was in our life? If I talk to some of my friends that said, man, we're so sorry. They have no idea what to do. Um, We'll pray for you. It's very awkward for them. They had no idea how to embrace this. In my personal life, my wife has, has talked to me about this. She said, man, when certain things happen, you don't get mad like you used to. Now, for some of you who don't have an anger problem, that's not a big deal. For some of you that get mad easy, that's a big deal. Or Matt, I really like the way that shirt looks on you. Hey, hey. It goes on in verse 9. It says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. Let me tell you something. This world will shout negativity at you. It will put negativity on the radio. It will put negativity in DVDs. It will. Uh, I went on a trip recently. I went to a senior trip. I went out to Washington, D.C. Speaking of this, negativity in movies is insane. Our kids are just bombarded with magazines and guys that look like this and girls that look like this. And Man, let me tell you something. You are God's original masterpiece. Are there things we need to work on? Yep, all of us. Stay attached to the vine. Verse 10. When you obey my... When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his, his love. Jesus is telling, me, telling us, he goes, look, if you do, if you obey the, my commandments and you remain in my love, just like I did with my Father, I'm the example. Now, what he was telling these people was a little bit dangerous because Jesus is the guy that walked up to the lady in Samaria at the well. Jews didn't talk to Samarians. This is different, Jesus. Listen, I'm, Jesus is telling them, I'm the example, you follow me. Verse 11, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. <coughs> How many people, if I ask, if I ask you just to, and you don't have to raise it high, you can do this. 
Some, some of my students, if I say raise your hand, they think this is raising their hand. Like this is a lot of effort, okay? I mean, I teach PE. We don't just do PE. Here's not a hero ball, go play. But if I ask them to raise their hand, it's like this. If I ask you to raise your hand on how many people in this next week for an entire year, 365 days, you could experience true joy for 365 days, how many people would pick it? How many people would do it? Sure we would. Because I'm not talking about the feel-good joy that we sometimes hear on TV. Okay? I'm talking about a joy that you can realize this. You can experience joy. Because this one thing, it's your choice. You can choose to believe, yes or no, God is who he says he is. If you say, yes, God is who he says he is, you have freedom. That stuff that strangles your life has no hold on you. How do we know that? Jesus said, I've conquered everything in this world. If you have me, you have it all. Is there temptation? Sure. Is there addiction? Sure. Three words. God is bigger. My kids, my kid, I have an almost six-year-old and a three-year-old. They like veggie tails. So do I. And, <laughs> but how many people, I'll know who my veggie tail people are. God is bigger than the, <laughs> my people. We need to get together, have movie night. Be three, three different ones. God is bigger than the boogeyman. But telling kids that, watch this, God is bigger than anything this world can throw at you. God is bigger than anything in this world. So you need to stay attached. Verse 12, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I've loved you. There is no greater love than to lay one's life down for one's friend. How did Jesus love us? Jesus loved Matt Griswold by meeting Matt Griswold where he was. And let me tell you where that was. It was dark, and it was nasty, and it didn't smell very good, and it was ugly, and it had no light. And Jesus met me where I was. Jesus gave priority to those in need. He encouraged people. He hung out with those people. I've said this before. Jesus could have had, in some parts he did, Jesus could have had a crazy rock star life. I mean, think about it. Even on the cross, the Bible says that he could have called down 10,000 angels. I mean, Jesus could have walked and said, hey, I'm going to throw this. And just, he could have done anything that he wanted. What did he choose? He, cho- he chose to get his hands dirty and get involved with me and you? And all we want to do when something bad happens is to say, "Mm, I'm done. Cut me off. In your worship handout, the next blank, God wants us to experience all that he has for us. He wants you to experience it. Don't miss out. Don't be the dead stick that you have to pick up when you mow. Oh, man, you're talking about mowing and sticks. and 
me tell you something. I hope God instills that image of that, of that tree getting blown by that wind. And you think about it. The next time, other than a storm, that you pick up a, a limb that's fully healthy, still has water running through it, green leaves in, in your yard on a bright sunny day, just tell me the next time a limb falls out that's completely healthy. He goes on in verse 14. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command. You ever had a really good friend? Like a really good one. Like your best, uh, talking today's terms, your BFF, your bestie. Maybe some of you, it was my pal. You ever had one of those? You could confide in, whether it was good, whether it was bad, whatever. Verse 15 says, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends, since I have told you everything the Father has told me. Jesus says, I'm giving you the hope. How about this? My wife can cook some serious chicken enchiladas. This is not a five times a week meal, but whenever she cooks it, it's awesome. But there's a recipe that she follows. And she puts the stuff in it that she needs. When Jesus was talking about the ingredients to a healthy lifestyle, he was talking about this. He says, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. If somebody Facebooked Mary, who she didn't know, Mary's probably not going to confide in her and give her, the, give her the enchilada recipe. It's pretty secret. Now she might. She probably would because she's a nice person. But Jesus is telling us, he says, I consider you friends. This is the most intimate of friendships. Hmm. You allow God to correct you when you make a wrong turn. God can be the annoying, the annoying voice that we say, please make a U-turn whenever possible. He's the GPS guy that won't quit. Why? Well, we think it's annoying All he's doing is just, hey, hey, I want to make you better. I want to turn you this way. But you always have him beside you to deal with those things or issues that pop up in your life. That's what a friend is. We can see an example of this in in the book of Romans, which is further down, but for sake of time, just, just show that verse. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. Do you know what an heir is? It, it, it means that you receive an inheritance. And in this case, one that you didn't work for. Do you feel, do you feel special yet? Do you? Do you understand these words? 
In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his sufferings. We don't like that part. That's when we say, nope, cut the limb off, we're done. Bad things will happen in this life. You are not responsible for 100% of the things that happen to you. But you are responsible 100% of the time of how you react. Sometimes we have issues we are dealing with. They can cause great pain. Sometimes our suffering is asking God to help us get rid of it. Some of you put your worship hand out. I just, there's no blank, but I want you to do something with that last one. I, I didn't have an underline on purpose. <coughs> I want you to underline the last eight words in that statement in your worship handout. But too much to leave us this way. This is what it says. God loves us the way we are. Yes, he will meet you where you are, but too much to leave us that way. He saw Matt. He saw some of you in the muck and the mire and the junk and the stuff. And he said, I see the potential in that one if they'll just look at me. God desires that our reflection not be of ourself in the mirror, but of who? His son. He desires us to let him prune away the things in our life that hinder us. We've had a four or five week emphasis on celebrate recovery training. That's a great place to start. Since I started my own life journey in CR, I found that God needs to chisel in a lot of areas. I was scared. You know what scared me the most? I was fearful of what everybody else would think about me. And you know what I found? Acceptance. Just a guy with your own stuff allowing God to work on you. We must let God prune us, trim us, and cut away the issues and stuff in our life to experience that eagle in that log. Let God take away. Remember what that guy said? He said, I didn't make that eagle. God did. I just took away the parts that didn't need to be there. Proverbs 6.9 says this. In the New Living Translation Bible, it says this. But you lazy bones... How long will you sleep? Some of us have been sleeping for our issues for a long time, ignoring that they're even there. When will you wake up? It's time. As you go out today, think about that storm. Think about the tree. Stay attached. Bow with me in prayer, and then we're going to be dismissed. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. God, we just thank you for all the blessings that you give us. Oh God, these these words aren't easy to hear. They're not easy to speak. God, may we all stay connected. Stay attached. Let you prune us.
Show us those areas of our life, God. In your name we pray. Amen.